Isn't she over that yet? Today, we'll cover that question as well as a mindset that helps more. But this idea of like, hey, it's not that bad, trying to convince somebody that it doesn't hurt as much as they are behaving like it hurts was pretty common in my upbringing and something I thought you did to other people. Yeah. For reasons unbeknownst to me. And guys are a typical recipient of that. Right. Yeah. Boys, boys don't cry, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, walk it off, rub some dirt on it, you know, all those kind of things. But to me, the, the, the easiest way to help guys to connect with their wife's pain is if you have a daughter that comes up to you and says, I scraped my knee, I scraped my knee. Would you kiss the wound? Would you like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know? And, and, and then even if they, if they run off, right, you do everything and they feel better and they get down and they go back and they come back 10 minutes later and they're like, dad, it hurts again. You wouldn't be like, I don't care. You would, you would kiss the wound again. And that's the problem that I had. Have. (laughs) I so want to make it past tense. I so want to make it past tense that I never do this anymore. It's more past tense than it used to be. Yeah. But it's the second time or the third time or the fourth time. Hey, this hurts. But we already dealt with that situation. You know, bring me a new wound, uh, I'll kiss that one. Bring me an old wound, eh, you know. And that's the kind of that continued invalidation of, especially in relationship. And in, um, we may need to cut this part because I may may be offensive, but um, the way women's brains are wired is more interconnected so the, the phrase I typically use is bowl of spaghetti. It's all, it's just every noodle touches every other noodle and it's all interconnected. Guys are like waffles. There's a whole bunch of squares that never connect. There's not a whole lot of like, I can have this experience and this experience and they're totally unrelated. But for the women that we deal with is this painful event of six years ago ties completely to this painful event of yesterday. And I shouldn't even have to explain to you how they tie together. I'm just telling you that they do. And I need you to validate that. Yeah. And, and again, for the guys, we, we tend to go to this place of like, <laughs> if, I can, if I can sever that connection of how yesterday and six years ago relate, then maybe I can make it less painful. And that, that just, the way I can make it less painful is to validate it, but I go to all these other places because I just think, well, if I can take the pain away, the problem's solved. Yes. You know? Yeah. A couple of things coming up. What Jay just said, um, you know, bring me a new wound. You know, we've already dealt with that wound. Where are you coming back? Um, one of the ways that I think um, uh, that guys might invalidate women in our work is they, they do well validating it first. You know, they, they're quick on the uptake and they, <laughs> you know, very short learning curve and they, 
they learn very quickly how to validate her, but then later, a year or two down the line, and like, let's get clear, therapists say, I've heard a few therapists say now that with medium-sized issues in relationship, it can take three to five years of therapy, of marriage therapy, to work those things out. So one to two years of her still having issues and still having triggers is not uncommon, but say two years down the line, um, you know, she has a trigger or she wants to talk about it or she still has pain very often. Aren't you over that yet? Aren't you over that yet? Like I've already done my time, you know, versus I'm here for you no matter what, you know? Yeah. And if you guys out there, if you're listening to this, if you do that, that can be an even bigger injury than the initial betrayal, whatever that looks like, or mistreatment and lying. Um, because it's like, hold on a second, I thought we were on the same page here. I thought, you know, you were gonna, I thought you were in my corner. I thought you were gonna help me with this, only to find out, you know, I will help you, but only for so long. And that's really a big, a big blow to her. So yeah, that's uh, sounds an enormous amount like things that I occasionally said to her. Um, so that's funny. I don't, I don't talk about like that idea very often, but that's such an interesting way to talk about it and think about it. It's, yeah, it's so true. And like the, just insta shame when I like hear these kinds of stories, cause I'm like, Oh God, I remember. Um, and so I, you know, I'm having this conversation with my clients all of the time mm-hmm. and, um, some of them will come back at me and say, okay, like, it sounds like you're advocating agreeing with your wife, even when you don't agree with her. And I shake my head. No, I'm like, no, we're trying to restore trust in relationships. Dishonesty in no way restores trust in relationships. I do not ever want you to agree with your wife when you don't agree with her. That's not what I'm advocating. I'm advocating validation and and confusing agreement and validation is a very dangerous thing in the context of trust and relationships. And so they're like, well, what do you want from me? And I'm like, well, and I'm so glad you brought up Jay, this thing with like children earlier, because it is the thought exercise I use to make this point to the guys that are confused about the distinction between agreeing with somebody and validating them. And it's just the one that worked for me. This is the idea on which I personally overcame my nasty habit of invalidating people when I disagreed with them. And the way that I think about it and the way that I talk about it in my coaching work is this idea of thinking about your child waking up in the middle of the night, scared, crying, because they're afraid of a monster hiding under their bed. And so in this scenario, my son's 13 today, but he used to be four. He was a threat to do something like this. And he wakes up crying and I run upstairs to like, see what's wrong. I open the door. And I find out he's crying and a little bit hysterical because he thinks there's a monster under the bed. And I'm like, I know that that's not true. And my instinct to try to like fix it, right, is to say, but dude, there isn't a monster under the bed. And if I'm not being my best self and I'm being the equivalent of the person that, you know, tells my son to toughen up when he gets a scraped knee is, hey, there's no monster under the bed. Everything's fine you know, toughen up. You're too big to believe in monsters. 
And then if I'm being my particularly worst self as a father, I might be like, go to sleep. You're fine. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for invisible monsters. And I go back to watch Monday night football or play a video game or back to bed or whatever it is I want to do, you know, at the expense of them being, being miserable. And I just think there's really critical ideas when you like break down the scenario. One is in this scenario, I'm right. If there's a good judge in the room, she or he is like awarding me the like, no, dad's definitely right. Like there's no monster under the bed. So facts are on my side. Um, facts two and three, which I can't like prove, but I promise they're true is I love my son intensely more than anybody. And three in this scenario, I wouldn't be attempting to cause harm. No part of me telling him there's no monster under the bed is any deliberate attempt to, to administer pain. And so those three things combined equal, like, I'm just trying to solve the problem and, 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 and everything's fine. I, I didn't do anything bad. I'd be so inclined. 15 years ago, me would have been so inclined to defend myself in this situation, particularly on the merits that I was right, especially on the merits that I was right, that I was correct, that the thing you're crying about that you're afraid of isn't even real in the first place. And I just think it's so important to think about that idea. But, but what's the math result is how I talk about it with clients. What's the math result of this encounter? You leave, but, but your son is still afraid, still crying, uh, alone in the dark. And I think most importantly, in the context of trust in a relationship, he just learned that when dad doesn't think the thing that's hurting you or that matters to you has merit, when he doesn't think it, it's important. He abandons you, literally or metaphorically, to cry alone in the dark after, you're impl after implying that you're weak or crazy. Um, that's it. That's, that's what the human being experienced that you left, no matter how correct you were, no matter how well-intentioned you were, no matter how much you love them. And I just think the parallels to how we show up in our adult romantic relationships are, are, are pretty obvious here. So what's the alternative to like this trying to convince the child there isn't a monster under the bed scenario. And the way that I think about it today is son's crying, he's afraid of a monster under the bed. I run up to check on him. I discover he's afraid of a monster that I don't believe is there. But now, now I understand that if I try to convince him there's no monster and that his feelings are stupid or that he's, you know, his brain's wrong, it will erode trust in my relationship. It, it eliminates safety. And my, my, the, I, I like to talk about this idea of the quality score of my relationship with him will suffer, independent of how correct I might be. Like the, the metric of who's right couldn't be more dangerous to the quality of your relationship when you disagree with somebody about something or when you feel differently with somebody about something. And the quality score of your relationship increases tremendously when you with self-awareness, very mindfully, very intentionally, choose to speak and act in a manner that restores safety, that, that builds trust between the two of you. So regardless of how like credible I think the threat of a monster hiding under his bed is, the person I want to be today and the person I metaphorically want to be in my adult relationships is I want to sit on the bed. I want to hug my son. I want to say, buddy, I don't think there's a monster under the bed, but I'm really sorry that you're like afraid right now. I've been afraid before and it is an awful experience and I never, ever want you to feel that. And so the most important thing, you know, I, I turn the light on and we look under the bed, we make sure there's no monster there. Then we get into bed and this time I'm not abandoning my son. I'm not going to leave him to feel crappy and cry alone in the dark because I'm about restoring safety and trust in my 
most important relationships today in a way that I was not 10 years ago. And I think the most important idea in this scenario is, son, I want you to know that when life is hard, when things feel bad, when you're facing some problems, some battle, you can always call mom, you can always call dad, and we're going to show up for you. And I think this is the most critical idea and the one that applies perhaps most closely to our adult romantic relationships. I may not be able to fix the problem. I may not be able to fix what's broken, but you never have to fight these battles alone. You never have to feel as if you're the only human like dealing with this bad thing because I've got your back, because I'm on your side, because I'm with you. Even if it just means, metaphorically speaking, sitting alone in the dark with somebody so they don't have to be alone while they're suffering. And I, I wish, I wish I'd understood that idea in my adult relationships. I wish when my wife had been suffering about something small, like a dish by the sink, or about something large, like the loss of her father, that I'd understood that it wasn't about fixing anything. It was about empathizing with the emotional experience they were having, and then showing up in a way that promises, I'm going to be here today and tomorrow and the next day and always. And even if I can't fix something, you're not the only one that has to like suffer this thing alone. And if I'm the source of your pain, I'm not gonna spend all this time trying to convince you that what I did didn't hurt you. I'm gonna seek to understand how what I did caused the harm. And I'm gonna take meaningful steps to moving forward, not do that same thing again. And it, it, it's a really nuanced idea that has nothing to do with agreeing with somebody. I do not have to agree with my wife that a dish by the sink is harmful. I don't have to agree with my wife that let's say, 18 months later, she should be, forgive me, all humans who have lost parents, um, you know, like intensely grieving the loss of a parent. And, 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 and I perceived her at the time, to my great shame, to I'll be allowing her grief to be adversely harming our marriage. I was like blaming her instead of all of my asshole tendencies. Um, it, anyway, that to me is an effective way to think about the distinction between agreeing with somebody intellectually or even emotionally or, or doing what I perceive to be the right thing in relationships. And it's just show up effectively for the person you love. And, 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 and that is the distinction for me between how you do it. And anyway, I tell that little like spiel to the people that I talk to, hoping that that metaphor like lands with them, that analogy lands with them. So that even if they disagree with their, their partner, when they're having like some conflict, they can remember I can sit around debating about whether there's a monster under the bed, but I'm only going to do harm to my relationship if I do. Instead, I'm going to empathize with the emotional experience she or he's having, and then I'm going to, I'm going to do what I have to do to understand it and show up more effectively for them in the future. I think building that habit does almost more to like improve and or maintain trust in relationships than just about anything else that I've encountered in my personal life or in this work. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, that's the end of this video. Join us next time when we will be discussing a common question that some guys might have, which is, I didn't try to hurt her, so why is she attacking me? We'll see you then.